Welcome to the Intuitive Rising Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Brooks. This is a podcast that invites you to remember who you are, return to yourself, and rise into your highest and best soul self. Every week, I will be sharing inspiring conversations about topics that hold keys to your awakening. My mission as an international evidential psychic medium, Reiki practitioner, and intuitive mentor is to help you rise into who you were born to be. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Intuitive Rising Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Brooks. So excited to be here for a special episode today of the Intuitive Rising Podcast. Today, we have a listener Q&A episode. So um, I would say at least a month ago, I put a call out on my social media stories asking for podcast listeners, as well as, you know, people that follow my social media for questions that they would like me to take a stab at answering on a podcast. So the idea was to have a whole episode that's based on listener Q&A. So that's what you're going to get today. Um, I'm going to provide the first names of the people um, that have given these questions. Special little shout out to all of them. Um, If I can't, if it's not, if it's just a uh, social media handle versus a first name that I'll give the social media handle. Okay, everyone. Thank you in advance for all of the questions. Here we go. Uh, the first question I received is from, let's, let's, this is Jordan. I'm just going to say it's Jordan rather than uh, try to pronounce their Instagram handle. Okay. Jordan says, I saw a car plate with 8884 and then a car beside it with 4448. Does this mean anything? Well, um, I think the fact that you noticed it and feel as if it might have been something, right? Because how how often are we going about our days and we're not we're not noticing everything, right? We're not noticing every um, thing that happens in the world, right? When people have this argument that oh, that's just a coincidence, it's like okay, but like how many things happen in every, any given day that we could notice? And that the things that we do notice happen to give us that little extra jolt of awareness, like, huh, there's something here, right? Like, say, for instance, a spirit sign or an angel number. Um, There's a reason that that gives you that little jolt, right? There's a reason that you have that awareness. And I would say it's because, yes, there is a meaning. I, I would call this a spirit wink, Jordan, okay? So a spirit wink for me is a little... Sign and synchronicity, it's similar to, you know, I I would also call angel numbers a spirit wink. Uh, Spirit signs are a spirit wink. This is just a way that you are being acknowledged uh, by the universe. It's kind of like a little like, hello. You know, I can't wink. I'm going to try. I can't really. Um, Hello, we see you. You're doing great. Go for it, right? Now, something that I always ask people to pay attention to when it comes to repetitive numbers or a significant spirit sign that you just keep seeing over and over again, I often will say, what was it that you were thinking about at the time? What were you doing, right? Like, what were you actively engaged in? Were you thinking about something, talking about something, contemplating something? Were you on your way to do something when that happened? What were you doing, Jordan, when you saw that car plate? Maybe you were driving, right? 
Maybe you were parking your own car. Maybe you were walking by on your way to an appointment. Whatever it is, there's a reason that your own awareness drew you to notice that and for you to be in the same place at the same time, right? So it's, I guess that's kind of like an anagram, right? Like it's a number anagram. Um, And so for me, I would take this as a spirit wing. Now, some people could go so as far as looking into the numerology of those numbers. What does this number kind of stand for? But the thing that I will say about that is that when we are looking up what numbers mean, say online, or asking someone what we think this means or what they know that means, we are asking them to kind of give us what it means to them, right? Or so if I Googled what does 1111 mean, there may be some similarities between Google hits as to what that means. There might be a collective consensus, but more often than not, there's not. Right. So more often than not, there's kind of like, well, one website will say, this is what this means. One website will say, this is what this means. So because of that, I feel like that is someone's own intuitive hit as to what it means. And so I have moved away in, as I've kind of developed more and more and more over the years, I've moved away from looking up what, what does 333 mean? What is 444? Like I, I'm not throwing shade on anybody. Please Google it and look it up if you feel called to do it. I just would also implore you to sit with that too. And maybe before you Google it or you ask somebody, what does that mean for me? What is my intuition telling me about seeing that number? So the first thing I'm going to say is I think it was a spirit wink to let you know that you're on the right track, that you're in the right place at the right time, that you're moving on this aligned path that you are seen and validated by your spiritual team, by your higher self. And secondly, I would advise you to sit with that and ask yourself, like the next time something like that happens, um, any kind of spirit wink, sit with yourself and ask yourself, what did that mean? And if you're kind of drawing a blank right away, um, I would invite you to ask yourself, what was I just thinking about? What was on my mind or what was I just talking about? And think of that. Take that as some encouragement from the universe. Thank you so much, Jordan, for your question. Next, we have Melissa. Melissa asked, how often do you do spiritual hygiene and what kind of things do you do for it? This is a great question and something that I think we should all be doing, whether or not we are on, you know, working as spiritual practitioners um, or not. I think it's something that everybody should be doing. Spiritual hygiene is essentially like, you know, you have physical hygiene. You make sure you're washing your hair. You're making sure you're brushing your teeth and you're washing your body and you're putting deodorant on and all that kind of stuff, right? That's your physical hygiene. It is connected to your physical health, but it's also connected to your emotional well-being, your mental well-being. How, how many of us feel better after we wash our face, right? Sometimes when I'm feeling overwhelmed, this reminds me of my grandmother because she would say this to me if I was kind of feeling sad or upset or overwhelmed. And you know, I remember trying desperately trying to learn my, my math times tables when I was about like grade three or something, getting very, very frustrated. Uh, math has not always been my strongest for like my strongest suit. Um, and I was getting so frustrated. My grandmother said, go in the washroom, get a washcloth, wet it under the sink, some warm water, uh, squeeze it out, 
put it on your face, wash your face, come back. And I felt better. I really do. And when I, I still do that and I still give that to my kids, you know, just go, if you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling some anxiety, go wash your face. It reminds me of that book, girl, wash your face. I'm sure that's maybe, maybe somebody, maybe her grandmother told her the same thing back in the day. So, you know, that's physical hygiene, right? How it's connected in so many different ways. Everything's interconnected. Spiritual hygiene is you taking care of your spirit. Um, and now I think the way that you may be asking is almost like how to clean it up, right? Like when you think about, okay, you're doing spiritual work, you're connecting to people's energies, you're con you're connecting to uh, entities in spirit. How do you keep yourself safe? How do you open? How do you disconnect? All of that kind of stuff. That's the lens that I'm taking this question and that's how I'll answer. So for me, spiritual hygiene means for me, uh, I need to have boundaries with myself when connecting to spirit and connecting to other people. And I need to have boundaries with the spirit world. And so one thing that I've shared many times before is that I uh, have purposely decided to only do readings at this point, you know, eventually when I start doing uh, public events and things like that, I'll obviously be doing readings in other places. But for now, I just do readings in this space. So at this desk in this office. And so part of my spiritual hygiene is setting that boundary with myself, but also it's kind of a nod to the spirit world. People always say, me, say to me when they're watching my videos or they're with me, um, you know, in a Zoom or something, oh my God, I see so much spiritual activity before, behind you. There's a ton of orbs, all kinds of stuff is happening. And I say, yeah, like doesn't surprise me because this is where I do my spiritual work. Um, so for me, that looks like having boundaries. Spirit, I'm open, but I'm open for when I ask. So I will be in this chair at this desk in this office, and I will set my intention to connect to you. That way I'm not open all the flipping time. Just want to let you know, those of you on this path, those of you who are naturally sensitive to energy, natural kind of born intuitives and empaths, your journey is not so much about learning how to open you probably already are very open and have been your whole darn life. I discovered I was. It's more about learning um, that you can open at will and then you close at will, right? It's kind of like putting your open sign on your door and then you put your close sign up. We have to do this. Otherwise, we're just walking around being bombarded with other people's energy and spirit's energy all day, every day with no flipping boundaries. And this is how we get sick. This manifests in a lot of ways, anxiety, physical health, connection to autoimmune, your immune system, all of these things you're going to see. It's very interesting, including myself. I've told you before that I have an autoimmune disorder and I'm trying to heal my nervous system. Just look down 1111. Love that. Um, I'm trying to heal my nervous system. Because when you are sensitive to energy in the world around you to the degree that I am, and I would say that most of you listening are too, and you don't have boundaries with spirit, you're just picking up on stuff all the time, this can take a toll on you physically. We still don't know how connecting to spirit for, you know, the, in, in the capacity that I do 
for years and years and years and years and decades and decades and decades, how that affects a medium's physical health. It's something that uh, medium Tyler Henry has brought up on his show because he has some health issues, right? He's quite young and he's got some health issues and he's very proactive with his spiritual hygiene. And he kind of posed this question on his show that was on Netflix. I can't remember the name of it in this moment, but um, he said, we, we still don't know like what happens to a medium's body after 50 years of being a medium, right? We don't know. So I think it's really important to know that first and foremost, that you have the ability to say to spirit, just as you would to another human being. If somebody was in your face and they're like, hey, and every time you ran into them, they're like, can you do a reading for me? You have the ability to say, no, I can't. No, I'm sorry, I can't. If you'd like to schedule a reading, then schedule a reading with me, right? Like you could do that and that, that would be a way that you would set a boundary with the person. You can do the same thing with the spirit world. Hey, I'm willing to do this work for you and on behalf of the spirit world for the highest and best good of the people that I serve that are brought to me by you. But in order to do that, I need you to kind of stick to these ground rules. Connect to me when I'm here. Connect to me when I set my intention to connect to you. The rest of the time, no. When I disconnect, that means I'm done. Please don't come to me later. That's it. And you can kind of pick and choose and you can change your boundaries. You can change your intentions when connecting to the spirit world. So that's part of it. Um, some of the actual like visual kind of exercises that I would do around this are, um, and, I, and I don't do this so much very often when I'm opening a connection as it's just kind of become second nature. It's just, I think it's so ingrained and I embody that so much that I don't necessarily have to do that. But what I'm referring to is I used to, at the beginning, before a session, I would sit down and I would take some deep breaths. I would set my intentions out loud. I would say them, what I was intending to connect to and how I wanted the session to go and you maybe what kind of evidence I was looking for, um, you know, what, what I felt like the client needed to hear and yada, yada, yada. And as I was doing this, I was visualizing with, with each breath this kind of bubble of light expanding. I'm getting goosebumps as I say this, expanding and getting bigger and bigger and bigger around me. And this is kind of this energetic bubble. Okay. And so this is like, okay. Um, so the people that I'm intending to connect to in the case of a mediumship reading with the client, I would literally say, Hey, I'm here to connect to Melissa and Melissa's loved ones in spirit. Anyone that she's hoping to hear from today or that she's open to hearing to from today, uh, please come through. Please identify yourself in a clear way. Please bring through evidence of et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this bubble, you know, kind of was my way of saying, okay, all of those people I'm calling in that are here from Melissa's highest and best good, who loved her and who she loved, that wants to share those messages with her today are in this, this bubble with me because I need to blend my energy with them, we need to blend energetically. That's what happens in a reading with a medium and a client and spirit. We have to blend. So I'm inviting them into my energetic body to do that. And as I'm doing that, anyone and anything that I have not set my intention 
to connect to. If there's someone she absolutely doesn't want to hear from, if there is a lower vibrational energy around, this bubble of light will keep them out of my space. Now, can you see if you were just open all the time naturally as an intuitive and you didn't have some sort of boundaries with spirit that you would be open to any and all people's energies, spirits, and entities? And how draining and overwhelming and anxiety-inducing that very likely would become. I can tell you, uh, 35 plus years, that was me. Didn't understand. Why? Why do I feel this way all the time? So then another thing that I'll do is then when I'm done a session, and this is something that I do every time. I don't always set that bubble of intention because I feel like I embody it so very much. But when I'm done a session with someone or even if I'm doing a reading for myself, if I'm like sitting down and wanting to do some automated writing or want to do some card pulls or what have you, I will then set my intentions to disconnect from spirit, to have this bubble, you know, kind of burst in a slow way, to lose that air, to close off the connection. Uh, sometimes I visualize it that way, like that bubble deflating, but more often than not a new way that I like to do this, that I've been doing for a couple years now is that I will visualize the outline of my body, like a cookie cutter or a cutout doll. And I will visualize scissors kind of starting at the crown of my head and moving down the left side of my body to my right. I will visualize scissors cutting away from my energy. This is like a cord cutting activity. I do this every time after a client reading, especially the ones that I do in the evening, because then I usually, you know, like wind down afterwards or, you know, go to bed. And I really have noticed that I do not sleep as well when I don't do that. So I do that. Um, you know, you can do that every day. You could do that yourself. Even if you're not actively giving people readings, you could lay in bed, you know, as you're taking some deep breaths and relaxing, you could visualize that cord cutting activity in your mind and um, maybe just take notice of how you feel. If there's any differences, anything changed for you when you did that. I also will um, advise people, especially empathetic people when I'm connecting to an empath, um, I also will suggest that they uh, kind of immerse themselves in water as a way to uh, cleanse their energy, right? So it's like, okay, you've just had a very draining day at work. You've just had a really draining conversation with someone. You've gone to Costco and you felt bombarded by energies, whatever it is. You can come home and you can either have a shower or a bath, right? You can go for a swim. If that floats your boat, so really, so to speak, if that floats your boat, you can, you don't even have to do that. If you don't want to, you can, uh, listen to like a sound machine of water running. You can wash your hands in soapy water. The point of this is the intention, regardless of what you do with the water, it's the intention and the visualization of the excess energy that is not yours being cleansed away from your energetic field and energetic body and like going down that drain, right? You can stand in the rain and do this. Just visualize that clearing and cleansing your energetic field. So that's something else I do. So that was a long question. 
a long answer to your question, Melissa, but thank you so much for asking. I'm sure that that is something that other people would like to know about as well. Uh, Karen asked, I would love to know more about star seeds. I am by no means a star seed expert. Um, I am going to have someone who is more well-versed um, and steeped in knowledge on star seeds uh, than I am at some point in the future on this podcast. But I will kind of briefly tell you what I know. Um, you know, I basically star seeds are, you know, star beings. Okay. It's like an incarnation of our souls that have existed and lived other lifetimes on other planets in other constellations, right? Other than earth. So it's like connecting to a past life in which you are not um, a human being, right? Or not on earth as a human being. You are from somewhere else. And so there are like a few different star seeds that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, the most, the one that I know the most about is the Palladians from the constellation of Pallades. This is a constellation often also known as the Seven Sisters. And um, I'm extra connected to the Palladians. I feel like I have lived a life time um, on Pleiades. And um, it's really funny because the people, there's so many people that I connect to where it seems like we have like so many signs and synchronicities together. And it's like both of us, like me experiencing it and them. And it's like, it's almost like something or someone is trying to get us to notice each other and these things that are happening and to have the awareness that, hey, there's this is a way we're trying to bring you together. We're trying to help you remember who the heck you are here. And with those people, eventually the topic of Pallades comes forward and in some in some kind of really roundabout way. And we and the, I and the other person will go, oh, yeah, like I totally resonate with that. Um, I actually feel like that's me, too. So that's another kind of nod to why I feel like I'm Palladian. Um, I don't know too much about starseeds other than that, that we uh, exist. There's parts of our souls that have maybe originated, have origins uh, in other galaxies on other planets and have a remembrance of that to some degree. It may have shaped our personalities, uh, our skills and our talents in certain ways. A lot of star seeds do not feel at home in their bodies or maybe in their families or just in general having this feeling of like I'm home but I'm not home like it's missing a home that you don't know or you can't remember a lot of star seeds will feel that way um I've often heard a commonality with star seeds is kind of trouble staying grounded in the body because you come from a place that's not earth right and earth is dense with gravity, right? You know, there's a heaviness associated with earth. I've heard that earth is one of the most challenging places to incarnate ever, right? So there, and, and we've got this veil of forgetting here for the most part. Most people are walking around not realizing, hey, you know, I'm a, a spirit having a human existence. Hey, I've had past lives. Hey, there's an afterlife. Hey, we keep incarnating like most people 
have forgotten that about themselves, have yet to discover it. Um, Starseeds kind of have this knowledge. Um, I would say most, most, this is just my opinion too. I would say most people that are on the spiritual path probably have some starseed origin as well. Um, so it's really important for us to know, okay, we've chosen this life in this body, in this incarnation on earth. So we need to take care of our bodies. We need to be grounded. We can't always be up here, right in our head. This is a collective message that's been coming up a lot lately. Uh, and it's one I'm going to talk about in a future episode. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned as well for a whole episode on star seeds. Karen, thank you for asking that question. Um, in the future episode, I will ask my, my guest more about the Andromedan. Okay. And then we move on to someone with the handle, I'm probably late. I love this handle. Amazing. She asked for, she wanted to talk about Lumerian energy in Hawaii. Okay, interesting. So Lumeria was, and this is just based off the cuff on my mind, didn't read these questions beforehand and haven't done any research. This is just my own knowledge that's coming forth in the moment. Um about these things. So Lumeria, I read a book, first of all, I highly recommend it for anybody that's interested in Lumeria. It was called The Women of Lumeria. And Lumeria was a place like Atlantis. So it was a landmass, it was a place. And according to that book, The Women of Lumeria, the Palladians, who I just talked about, would have, please know this is according to this book and not necessarily like of my opinion um, or like that I know to be fact or true. The Palladians uh, came to earth to seed the existing humans with consciousness. So according to this book, there would have been human beings, but they would have been, you know, more of a caveman kind of equality, right? So, and that was very animalistic, right? Running on animal instincts, needing to hunt and eat and, you know, mate and, and, and behave like animals, right? Running on animal instincts and that the Palladians came to seed these people with consciousness. So it was about creating a new kind of human, a conscious human, and so these star beings from Pleiades would have come and essentially, um, you know, conceived a human child with this caveman and Palladian together to create this new type of conscious human. And in Lumeria, uh, there was a very uh, collective kind of energy. So it was kind of like a village mentality, right? Where everyone is taking care of each other. The women of Lemuria were kind of the top dogs, okay? And what I mean to say by that is they were respected and revered as highly intuitive, wise women. And so the men of Lemuria would have consulted 
the women of Lemuria for guidance on things like, hey, what day should we go out and what day should we go out fishing? What day, what time, what season should we go out and hunt? When is a good time to do this? There would have been this like, let's check in with the women because women are so tapped into their intuition. And so uh, that's just kind of what the book explains their society was like. Now, that book also says that all humans would have lived an existence on Lemuria as all humans that exist today are conscious humans. So there might be some past life um, remembrance of Lemuria. Now, Lemuria was, uh, according to this book again, um, in the place where Hawaii is now. Actually, it was a part of Hawaii, according to the book. So what they say is that Lemuria, like Hawaii, what, what is now Hawaii, used to be a much bigger place, much bigger place, and that there was a flood. And so the Lemurians would have, you know, left and gone to other places. Um, this has come forward. I've heard like a lot had gone to India um, and to some Asian countries. Uh, and that's where you would find a lot of the very early Lemurians after they left Lemuria. Um, and that during this flood, you know, what had had been left of Lemuria is now what Hawaii is. And it's kind of just like the peaks, you know, the mountains, the land mass that was way up here, because it was a very uh, mountain-esque um, land mass. It's just the kind of tips of those mountains that now remain, and that's Hawaii, and everything else is under the sea. Now, I don't know if anybody's been able to verify this, or if this is, you know, fact, if, you know, if somebody's been able to do that, but that's what the book's all about. And so a lot of people will feel a very deep Palladian connection in Hawaii. They will feel a very deep uh, spiritual energy in Hawaii. Uh, there are these things called, oh my goodness, what are they called right now? I can't remember, but basically like lines of energy that you know are under the ground I can't remember what these are called but there's like lines of energy that connect uh the world together okay and uh they go into detail about that too and and there's uh you know one that runs right through Mount Shasta which is in California um Mount Shasta is said to be a place where there uh, things have been hidden in crystals. So they, there's been this like kind of um, idea, concept, belief that the Lemurians would have um, transferred is the word that's coming to my mind in this moment, infused crystals inside of Mount Shasta with their knowledge and so it's become a very, very sacred place, a spiritually sacred place. That's what I'll say about that for now. Highly recommend checking out the book, The Women of Lemuria, if this is your cup of tea. Thanks so much for asking that. I'm probably late. Okay, now we've got a couple questions here from Kara. So I'm going to start with the first one. How do I know if, how do you know if your present life is your first life on earth? Huh. Very interesting. I feel like this is something, I mean, you could do a past life regression. You could book a past life reading with someone um, and they might be able to tell you that when they tap into that part of yourself. Um, if, you, if it was something you just kind of wanted to dive in yourself, I would highly recommend doing like a past life meditation and seeing what comes up. I would think if you, this would be like 
the most like the maybe the only life you've ever lived on earth i would feel like some of those star seed uh, attributes that i mentioned before would be highly amplified highly amplified i also would feel that you probably uh would deeply resonate with other galaxies planets uh you would probably feel like a bit of an alien you know you would feel very likely very uncomfortable in your body this would be like very new to you so it might be quite a challenge um so I think that's what I'll say about that. I would, Kara, I would highly recommend you do a past life meditation. You can look these up on YouTube. And uh, like, I, this is one of the ways that I first connected to one of my past lives. And it was very, very awe inspiring. Okay. It was like, whoa. And it just, everything that came through made total sense. Uh, I even had my little guy recently. He's been um, having a bit of anxiety lately about a few different things and especially at bedtime. And so I've been finding different meditations on YouTube for him to listen to as he's falling asleep. And we did one the other day about um, his totem animal. And it was so cute because he was so excited. He's like, mom, the thing that came through was a cheetah. I have a cheetah. No, sorry. It wasn't a cheetah. It was a, a leopard, a leopard. He, he asked, actually asked me, please Google cheetah and the leopard so I can figure out which one this is. And it was a leopard. Um, I think that would be your best bet for you to really tap into that. If you weren't booking a reading um, to do that um, and have somebody else bring forward that information. Um, our past lives are very much connected to us. You know, like that is information that you hold within you. So it's information that you can find. And it's really just about trusting the information when it comes in. And I feel like a really good way for you to trust that information is to do a past life meditation and see what comes in. You know, you can set your intention beforehand that you would like to connect uh, in this exercise to your most recent past life and see what comes through. And if it's, you know, on another planet or you see star beings, light beings, whatever, like just, I did this once and I saw like a pink, it was like a pink planet. And it, this actually came up in a Reiki thing. And I think Kara, you were actually there with me. So you remember, might remember this story. I connected to another life in which I was not living here. <laughs> and it was like desert because, um, you know, it was just sand on the ground. I didn't see any trees or vegetation. It was, it looked like a desert. And uh, there's like dunes and it was very windy and there was sand in the air and uh, everything was pink. It was like the, the sky was pink. It just, it, rather than having a blue sky, it was like a light kind of dusty pinky color. Uh, and I saw these beautiful glass buildings everywhere and it was like the coolest thing. I didn't stay with it like long enough to really dive into it more, but I, I, I this is kind of an invitation for me to do that too. So I would recommend you do that. And then maybe journal afterwards about what's come through. I'd love if you share with us too. Okay. Another question about Kara from Kara. How do you know how many lives you've lived? Same kind of thing. I think that's something that you either have someone who does that work tap into, or you ask yourself in a meditative state. How do you discover the name of your guardian angel? You ask. This is so interesting, okay? Because 
about a year, maybe a year and a half ago on the podcast that I host with Aaron, that's called Soul Rising, we did a spirit guide episode about, you know, how do you connect to your spirit guide? And I've done an episode on this podcast about that too. And as Aaron and I were chatting, I was kind of like, you know, it's interesting. Like she was sharing a story about her spirit guide and how that person has revealed itself, their self to her over the years. And I was like, you know, it's interesting. I know I have spirit guides, but I don't, I've never like purposely tried to connect to them. I've never been like, Hey, who are you? Like, tell me something about you. Like I've never done that. Um, which was kind of surprising to some people, including myself. Cause I was like, why have I never thought to do that? So my homework in between episodes was to make that connection and to take note of what came through and then share it in a following episode. And so a couple of days later, it might've even been like the next day. I remember brushing my teeth and um, as I was doing this, I just got this kind of awareness drop in, a little download drop in that was like, hey, remember you wanted to connect to your spirit guide? Now's the time. Now would be a perfect time. You know, you're doing some mindless activity like brushing your teeth. Why not kind of tap into the zone and see what comes through? And so I did. And I said, okay, um, reveal yourself to me. You know, show yourself to me in whatever way you want to. Uh, and I felt the presence of two guides come forward. I saw a tall male. He was quite handsome, if I do say so myself. Um, had a very Celtic, almost like Robin Hood energy about him. You know, there was kind of a cloak. He had a lot of green um, on. He had green eyes. He had longer hair. Um he was just kind of a presence, you know, like, and he was dressed from like a time that was not current and really, really Robin Hood-esque, but like didn't look like the Robin Hood in the movie, <laughs> the Robin Hood. Um, and uh, it's funny too, because I just realized that Robin, Robin Hood wears green and I never even clued in about that connection. Interesting. Anyhow, not Robin Hood. I definitely don't think that my guide is Robin Hood, <laughs> but has that same kind of quality, same kind of energy. Um, and he, when I said, what is your name? He said, my name is Matthew. You can call me Matthew. Now, the thing about spirit guides is I truly don't believe that they like name themselves. Um, I think that when we receive a name about our spirit guides or from our spirit guides, it's just helpful because that's how we identify people like we name people we attach names to things and to places and to people as a way to identify them so that's why we receive names because they know oh okay if she if she's if she has a name then she's gonna be able to go hey Matthew right like I need your help or you know show me what you look like so that makes that easier when you're trying to set your intention to connect consciously intentionally with your Spirit guides, you can visualize this image that he gave you. You can bring that forward, right? It's connected to your imagination. You imagine him or her, right? In my case, Matthew, this came forward this way. Uh, and then he gave me a name. I thought it was very interesting because Matthew is the name. It's my favorite boy's name ever. And I've had two sons and I didn't name either of them. Matthew. <laughs> but when I was pregnant with my first child, 
we didn't know what we were having until I was almost, you know, ready to pop because at the time the hospital that I delivered at did not tell you that information unless you were high risk. And when I became high risk at the end with preeclampsia, they, they, they let me know, but it really, it was just like confirming my, my intuition of what I already knew. Uh, so we had a boy and a girl name picked out and the name we had picked out for a boy was Matthew. But then when I had my second child and my third child and they're both boys, and even the the boy that I lost um, in pregnancy through miscarriage was also would not give him the name Matthew. And I don't know why. I just didn't feel like they any of them were Matthews. I feel like all of my children named themselves. But long story short, um, you just ask for them. You just kind of get into that place. You set your intention. Please reveal yourself to me. How many people are like, you know, what's your role? How many guides do you have? You can ask that question. I do feel like we can have multiple um, but there's like one consistent Matthew is my one consistent that's going to be there from, you know, my first breath till my last. Matthew helps me with confidence. Matthew helps me with taking action. Matthew knows that I'm a procrastinator. Matthew knows that I um, in life have lacked confidence in my abilities and I sometimes don't take initiative and I don't see myself myself, myself, I guess myself, where, yeah, there's probably more than wing, <laughs> more than one incarnation. That's another theory with past lives. Some people think that it's all happening at one time, right? It's not a, a linear thing. Um, you know, he knows that I've struggled that way. And so he's there to help me um, with that, with really taking charge and taking action. And he is very, like my sun sign in my birth chart is Capricorn. So that's part of where I'm going. You know, that's part of um, my path here is to, to really embrace those. Oh my goodness, mosquito landed on my forehead. <laughs> to really embrace those qualities of that Capricorn. And, and he is that, you know, he, he lives and breathes that Capricorn energy. So I can, I can, I feel like that's what he's helping me with. Now, interestingly enough, my second spirit guide that came through in this was um, a female and she was much smaller and she was much more gentle and she came through like this and uh, her she, the name she gave me was Lila and she came through with a lot of like light purple color and light blue color. And she is connected to my inner child. So although she was not a child, she was a grown woman, I'll bet a small one. Um, she was connected to helping me with some healing, right? And they work together because the healing that she helps me with, the emotional safety and security that she's there to help me with is directly linked then to my ability to initiate and take charge, which then Matthew takes over. So they kind of tag team here together. Um, and it's important to know as well that you, um, a spirit guide is always there for you. It's like this consistent relationship that you'll have forever. I often feel like our higher selves are connected to this energy. Or like when I do an intuitive guidance reading for someone, I will say to them that, um, you know, I feel like I'm channeling this energy via their spirit, their spirit spiritual team, their spirit guides. So, um, uh, hold on. I'm like losing my train of thought because I read the next question and I'm kind of answering it right now. It's, oh, it's important that you know that you need to ask for help. So there's this little thing called free will here. And so they know it's part of the agreement that they're there to help at any time that you need them. 
but they can't step in because of your free will unless you ask for them. So if you say, hey, spirit team, I need help, you know, and you maybe built this connection and you see who comes through when you ask these questions, I would start with connecting to like, okay, who are you? Show me a little bit about you. Give me a name if you can. Tell me what you're here to help me with. Show me how I can kind of best communicate with you. Is it when I'm dreaming? Is it when I'm awake? Am I going to hear you clairaudiently? Am I going to see you clairvoyantly? Like how, how are you going to communicate with me? Remember, they, they'll work with you so you can tell them what you want. I ask my guys to uh, help me with um, connecting me with other people. So like if I need guidance or help, I might be thinking about something. And then another person external to me will offer that same help or they'll reach out and be like, I just wanted to check in. Are you okay? Do you need anything? And I know that Matthew and Lila have made that connection because that's what I've asked for. Um, I also ask them to come forward clairaudiently. So speak to me, talk to me. And um, please know that my connection to Claire audience is that I hear my own head voice. So I'm not hearing somebody else's voice. You know, I know that I said Lila comes through like this. She does, but it's not like I'm hearing the whisper. It is, you know, when you just like, say you like imagine somebody's voice. Okay, you're, you're imagining it right now. Even though that person is not speaking to you, you can hear their voice. You can, like if they have an accent or if they have a certain way of speaking or they, you know, they kind of space their words out in a certain way, right? Or they're really loud or they're really quiet. Like you, that will all kind of come through for you when you think about that person's voice. That's the way to perceive, like that's how I, that kind of came in like that. Um, about Lila's voice. And that's how I knew that she spoke very, very softly. So the next question that came in was, how do you form a better connection with your spirit team? And that's it. You're, you're going to talk to them. You're going to ask them for assistance, please. You're going to tell them what you need. Okay. You've got to ask. That was the agreement. That's the contract that you have with your spiritual team. It's kind of thinking of that movie in that book. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret, right? It's like, it's like they're just waiting. Are you there, Matthew? It's me, Amy. And I need you. I need you to help me with this. I'm feeling like I'm really lacking confidence and I don't have any direction. I don't know what to do about the situation. What should I do? And either I'm going to hear something, an idea that pops in in my own head voice, right? Or I'm going to, somebody's going to reach out. So this happened to me just the other day. Okay. So I'm thinking about what's the next step in my business? Where do I go from here? I still want to do what I'm doing. I still want to do the podcast. I still want to serve clients and I want to do events. Um, I want to get working on this solo book that I am in the process of beginning. But like, what else is there for me? Okay. Because like, if I'm learning to follow the breadcrumbs, then you show me what else is possible for me. And I will, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll start doing something. I'll take some initiative towards that. And you know, I always ask for, okay, either tell me something or bring me, bring this information forward from another person. And that day I received four messages, two came via email and two via DM 
and they were all from either past clients or podcast listeners. I know that you don't offer offer mentorship right now, but you're my mentor. And I know in my bones that I'm led to you because you're meant to teach me. Can you teach me? And so, you know, Matthew and Lila together brought forward four people to send me that message. This is your next step. This is what you need to consider. And both of them will help me with, you know, the insecurity that I feel about that. The apprehension I have, like, well, do I have what it takes? Will it be okay? Will it be enough? Matthew and Lila will help me with this. So that's the answer to that question. And thank you so much, Kara, for those amazing questions. I loved answering them. I bet a lot of people will find those really helpful. Okay. Megan asks, what were your first signs that you were a medium? Okay. So this is one of those questions. Like I feel all working mediums will say, when they look back at hindsight at their life, they are now able to see the signs, but while you're going through it, it's, it's difficult for you to recognize. Um, so I will go on record as saying like, I know now, like when I look back at my life in hindsight that I've been a medium since birth, like I've always been a medium, but I'll, I'll talk about kind of like what really kind of fast tracked this for me. So in my last pregnancy, I I gave birth in 2016 with my last child. And during this pregnancy, I connected to someone that I met who was also expecting at the time we our due dates were a week apart. But early on into that, into our pregnancies, but also into our friendship, she moved away. And but we kept in contact online, we talked every single day got really close. And during that pregnancy and soon after she gave birth, by the way, we gave birth on each other's due dates. Uh, My son was a week late and her daughter was a week early and uh, they were due on each other's birth um, due dates, which I think is kind of cool and interesting. Uh, So after the birth of her last child, she started to go through her own spiritual awakening and realized she was a medium. Um, at the same time, she knew that I was very, very interested in that. And it's something that we talked about a lot. I was her guinea pig for many, many months where she would practice um, connection to me, like mediumship readings, um, a past life reading she did for me. She did an intuitive guidance reading. Uh, where she's connecting to my soul, my energy. She brought forward that I would be doing this work one day. She brought forward that I'd be teaching. Actually, what she brought through was like this, this image of me standing on a stage. And, but like with a desk. So it wasn't like a, it didn't seem like a, a big event. It seemed more like a, like an auditorium, you know, like if you're teaching someone where a teacher might be on the, on the stage at, with a desk. And I'm just like, weird. I'm thinking weird. Like, I don't think I'm going to go back to school anytime soon. Like, I I don't think I'm going to be a teacher teaching people this or anything, right? Like, it's not like she brought through, like, you're going to be teaching this. It's just, she said, I see you teaching. I see you on the stage. Uh, I see you handing out papers. You know, I I see people asking you questions and I'm like, okay. She also brought forward that, um, you know, when I was 45, I would be, uh, have my own like solo book published and that it would be successful. At the time I was 36 and I was like, 
okay, interesting. I always wanted to write a book. I'd love to do that, but kind of couldn't imagine at the time. This is why I uh, am getting started on this book now because I'm going to be 44 in January. So I really only have a year and a couple months to get my butt in gear to make this 45, uh, to have this done by the time I'm 45. But all this to say, it was around this time that I was having more experiences that really were mediumship experiences. You know, I, I couldn't deny it anymore. It, it almost felt like she helped awaken me a little bit or at least helped me learn in some way how this information was perceived, which in turn made me realize that I was always a medium and I just didn't realize it. So the first real, like those things were happening and they happened for a couple years. But then in January of 2018, uh, my father was found, uh, passed away um, at the hospital on the morning that he was due to be released. And my mom found him in the chair waiting to go home. And, you know, they, they got his heart beating again after extensive CPR. But he had been gone for so long, you know, there's no brain activity anymore. So it was goodbye at this point. They were just putting him on life support so that he could you know, people could get to him and say goodbye. And so um, I was living where I am now. I was living away. So 1500 kilometers away from home. And I was told by all the people in the room, you know, you got to say goodbye now over the phone. Like, I don't think you're going to make it. The doctor's saying he's going to pass away within hours. And I don't think you're going to make it if you don't do it now this way. So I had to say goodbye on the phone. And in that moment of saying goodbye on the phone, I was I connected to his energy. I connected to his spirit. And it's really interesting. People are like, how, how did you know? Well, it's like, it's like, as I was talking, I was being shown a movie in my head. So it was from the perspective, this movie in my head was from the perspective of me looking down at my father in his hospital bed. But it was like through his eyes because I wasn't there you know? Um, and it was this all encompassing feeling that he was with me the same as if like he was physically sitting next to me in the room. It was the same kind of feeling like, you know, when you feel somebody's energy, like maybe you're at home and your spouse or your kid doesn't announce themselves home. Like, it's not like they're like, Hey honey, Hey mom, I'm home. They just come into the house. And even if you don't hear anything, you know that they've arrived home because you feel their energy right? It was like a recognition that my dad's energy is with me. Like, how is that possible? I'm on the phone. I'm 1500 kilometers away, but it felt like he was right here with me. And, um, he gave me a bird's eye view of the room details about the room, super specific that, you know, you couldn't guess the door number, the nurse's name on the whiteboard, who was in the room and what they were wearing. And so all of these things kind of went, okay, like, what the heck? Like, how would I know that? Am I remote viewing? Am I a medium? Like what's happening here? Um, and so that's really how I knew I was a medium, right? It just, it really, I always just say like, literally they just pushed me right through the door. They're like, boom, don't ask questions. This is what you're doing now. Um, but in hindsight, when I look back, these are ways in which I feel showed me that I was a medium. Number one, um, I, I'm a dreamer. 
Okay. I've always been a vivid dreamer, a lucid dreamer. Uh, I remember my dreams more often than not in very great detail. I've had many spiritual visitations where people that uh, I lost that were in spirit would come forward in a dream. And it was so vivid that, you know, when you wake up, you're like confused because you're like, you feel like you've just been with them and you just had a conversation with them. And you have, but it's just been in spirit. Uh, those things happened to me. Um, looking back as well, I can see like just a sense of knowing. I always just thought I was very highly imaginative. <laughs> so I didn't realize like, hey, it, but, but spirit utilizes that sense of imagination. Like when you think of your imagination, it's where you're like seeing things, right? It's you're, you're creating something in your mind, but that part of you is connected to your third eye. And that part of you is how spirit shows you things. Like if you're clairvoyant, that's where spirit's showing you things, right? Through that third eye, through this sense of imagination, so to speak. So a lot of mediums are like, you know, I just thought this was my imagination. So I remember like there was a certain friend and, um, you know, it was a friend that I saw all the time. But when I did see them, I would in my mind's eye see like an older lady, right? And I was like, random stuff in my mind. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? Why would I be imagining about some old lady taking something out of her purse, right? Like, what's that about? But I never put it out there. Like I never had the awareness of, oh, maybe I see this old lady in my head every time because it's her grandmother. Like it never, I never clued in that that is what that was, but that's what that was. So mediums are going to be highly imaginative probably, right? And it's, it's, it, it's kind of like, for me, I learned that that imagination all along was kind of like the, it's almost like a projector. That's what spirit's showing me right now. It's like a projector. It's, it's just a tool that spirit uses to show you something. And I think it, that's why I always say this is just what trust, right? So if, if you're like, why do I always see this in my head? Or why am I seeing this when I'm with this person? And then you feel, um, like it would be okay to share with that person if they're a safe person or you ask permission. Certainly that's something you should do too. And then you take a chance and you're like, I don't know what this is, but every time I'm with you, I see this older lady and this is what she looks like. And she's digging through a purse and she's taking out like butterscotch candies that are wrapped in gold foil. Do you know what this means? And the other person would be like, holy shit, like my grandmother always had Werther's Originals in their in their person. Like that's a like specific memory that I think about every time I think of my grandmother, right? And then as you open that connection, spirit gets really excited when you open that connection, right? They're like, oh my God, she's getting it. She's made the connection. My loved one is hearing her um, or hearing me. And then it just keeps going. It's like the next thing you see or the next thing you hear, you say it. And the person's like, yeah. So that's how I realized it. Like it took my dad's passing for me to really go, okay, like I can't chalk this up to imagination anymore. I can't chalk this up to um, coincidence anymore. Like this is mediumship. But mediumship is so subtle. It can feel like your imagination. It can feel like your own thoughts. If spirit's communicating you to you clairaudiently, meaning if you think about your clairs, your clair senses are just like your physical senses, right? But they're like the internal versions of your senses. So if like clairvoyance, it means clear seeing. So it's not seeing with your eyes. It's seeing with your mind's eye. Clear audience is hearing, but not with your physical ears, not from something coming outside of you, but from inside of you. So it's like, why do I have this song in my head? 
Is this song specific to you? Heck yes, it is. Right? Or I hear this. I hear somebody coughing over and over and over again. Or I, I hear this like very loud kind of cackle. Does this make sense for you? Yeah. Right? Like she had the best cackle. She had the kind of laugh that would make you laugh. These are ways in which spirit communicates with us, but we might just not connect the dots. We might not realize we might be looking for a very obvious thing. It's not always obvious. It's not always obvious, Megan. So it's, um, it can be really, really subtle and it just has to do with trust, connecting the dots, putting yourself out there. And when you do that, you realize, okay, like, how would I know that? And it, it's just so fascinated and you're, you're so fascinated and you're so flooded with like endorphins and good spirit energy it just makes you because you're blending with that spirit and they're so excited that they get to talk to their people and that their people are listening and they're like getting it and it's going to help them heal or help them move forward there's such a high vibration with this that oh my i just got chills there's such a high vibration that you you know you, you just want to be in that energy all the time and that's that's a whole other a whole other episode um, that's actually going to be coming up soon. We're going to talk, I'm going to talk to a, a listener of this podcast about being ungrounded, right. And kind of always being up here in that exciting kind of spiritual energy. But like the best thing a medium can do is to live really well. A, a life well lived is what a medium needs. And that's because the more you're enjoying life, the more joyful you are, the more gratitude you experience, the more, experiences you experience with people and places you have a larger toolkit you have a larger frame of reference which means that those spirits that maybe before wanted to come through to you to give a message to their loved one but they were like she's not going to get when i bring this up or this because she hasn't experienced that herself but when you expand your spiritual toolkit through gratitude joy and experience you um, not only make your, your own life better, you have more capacity to communicate for the spirit world. Thank you so much for that question. Amanda says, do all spirits describe the afterlife the same? Do they tell you what comes next? This is where I'm going to end this episode. Thank you for all of these flipping amazing questions. I've really enjoyed this episode. Um, yes. So some people will literally show me uh, kind of what that's like for them. I will go on record that it is my belief that no medium truly knows exactly what comes next. I always say that like um, the spirit world will allow a medium to dip their toes into the world for the purpose of the reading. But we also have to experience life here and that has to be a great surprise for us as well when it is our turn. So it kind of feels like from spirit to me that we know that life goes on. We know that the soul, the spirit continues on because of our connection to spirit and because of the evidence and the messages that come through from our clients, loved ones, and from our own loved ones and spirit guides. And so that alone changes your life, right? Because you're like, okay, this isn't the end of me. Death is not something that I need to be fearful of uh, about because I exist on another plane, in another realm, 
to another level in another existence. I, I, this is not the end of me. So that alone helped me so much, um, just to live more joyfully and more bravely and fearlessly, because why not? If the worst thing that could happen is that you die and we're all going to die anyways, one day. And if you're not so afraid of that anymore, then you're more likely to do the things that you feel called to do. You're less likely to hold yourself back. Often in a, in a client session, um, especially if this conversation has been had before this loved one in spirit has passed, uh, a loved one in spirit might bring through something. I'm thinking of recently, I connected to a woman and her, her grandfather came through in spirit and he kept referring to this cabin, little shack kind of thing uh, in the deep woods and that he, um, you know, that was a place where he would have hung out and he would have loved being there. And this is a place that, you know, he said that, you know what, if you want to know where I'm going to be, that's what I'm going to be doing in heaven. You know, like if this is my idea of heaven is sitting in this little camp in the woods doing what I'm doing and this is heaven, right? And they had had this discussion, like, this is where I'll be. This has happened so many times. I've, all these different readings are like flooding back into my mind. There's been people that have said, like they've had a conversation with their loved ones before they pass and said, the cottage, like, you know, the cottage we used to go to when you were little and that dock on the lake and that Adirondack chair with my tackle box and my fishing rod. Well, that's, that's where I'm going. That's where you can find me. Anytime you want to think about me, you think about me there. And that will like literally be an actual conversation. And then when I connect to that person in spirit for the person they had the conversation with, they'll say, tell her this is where I am. So for me, and this is something I've inherently always kind of believed or thought is that heaven is like just another kind of, it's another realm it's kind of, it's here, but it's not here. It's, it's, it's like behind the veil, right? It's like this other extension of where we are right now. And I feel like that's how spirit knows maybe what we're doing or what's up or what we're thinking about at times because they, they're kind of still here. Um, I almost like sometimes picture like a thin kind of picture, picture like a wall of saran wrap. Okay. And like, they're right there and we're right here and they can see us, but we can't see them. Um, I kind of view it like that. And I view it like whatever your idea of heaven or the afterlife is, is. So for me, I often say like, uh, my heaven is a field of sunflowers, you know, on the edge of the ocean at sunset. Right. So I imagine one day in the future, if someone tries to connect to me in spirit, I will say that's where I am because in spirit, we can manifest immediately. Okay. So it's like, I, you know, I might connect to a client in Japan, which I have recently. Okay. And, and, um, you know, there's no time energy barriers with spirit. So it doesn't matter where I am and where my client is. Um, it doesn't matter. It's, it's all the same. I'll be able to connect to them. I'll be able to connect to their loved ones in spirit. Just the same. There's also no language barriers here as they communicate telepathically through feeling and thought and vision, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So um, they can manifest instantly. So they can go, okay, um, Amanda is going to be with Amy today at one o'clock in the afternoon and they're going to connect to me. So 
I am going to be there, right? And um, so they, they would be, it's like almost a manifestation of, I think it, so I'm there. Okay, um, I, I'm thinking that I'm doing this. I'm sitting on the dock with my tackle box right now. Okay, I'm there. Okay, I've always wanted to go to Japan. Okay, now I'm there, right? It's like, it's an instant manifestation of thought. And I have shared before that I feel like this is what heaven or the afterlife is like. And that's a commonality that comes in with almost every spirit is this instantaneous manifestation of thought and that there is no time and space. There's no barrier to connection. Uh, we're all connected energetically. So spirits of thought away, when we think of them, they're right there. This is how they bring forward pieces of evidence of things that have happened recently or, you know, since they've passed away that you're like, how would they know that? I thought they're in heaven. I thought when you're in heaven, like that's it. And there's no, they can't connect to us anymore. That's not my experience at all. Um, I think that when we think of them or we're doing something in their honor or in their memory, they're immediately with us. Now I'm going to share quickly. I am. Um, I did a reading just yesterday with a client. I won't go into super great detail, like in order to identify this person, as you know, everything is confidential with a reading unless given permission otherwise. But um, I had connected with. Okay, there's a few things here. So this person that I read for um, was connected to the church. Um, after I, as we went, I discovered that she's actually a minister in a church and she, she said, she only told one person that she was doing this reading and she had discussed with that person. There is no way that my grandfather is coming through in a mediumship reading because he was a pastor and he, in his life did not believe that you know, um, I don't know if it was a belief or, or a learning or what, but that we could do this or that we should do this. Right. So she was really under the impression that he would maybe not be happy with her for doing this session or that he absolutely would not come through. <laughs> and so I I'm like connecting to another family member of hers and I'm bringing through all this evidence. And then I go, Oh, wait a second. She said she's with her dad. Um, this is your grandfather. And I just see instant, like, Oh my God. Right. Like deer in head headlights kind of, uh, look. And, um, I brought through all this amazing stuff, including that he was a pastor, you know, and, and she like so many specifics about his life and the relationship and guidance for her. And, and she was like, I was so under the impression. And I, and I said, no, like he's here and this happens. I connect to people in spirit regardless of their belief system in life. Um, the religion, um, you know, whether or not they were a believer or skeptic, it, it doesn't matter. It seems like, at least in my experience, even a hard pressed skeptic as my father was, um, even a member of the church, like a pastor is able to connect. So what she said to me after the reading is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. Like I'm, this is crazy. This has kind of changed my, my view on things. I have a lot to absorb here and think about and process. And, uh, she said, um, you know, I think there's, there, there's just a higher understanding in spirit. So even though this man was so connected to God and I, and I felt like such beautiful, kind, compassionate intention with him, um, in the work that he did here in his earthly existence, but she said he, he just has a higher, a higher awareness, um, is what it sounds like about things like this. And she had shared with me, you know, I truly believe that there 
like God has given you this gift um, and that it's not wrong. And I, and I thanked you for it. It almost brought me to tears. I'm sharing that as well, because that's something that people, um, you know, when I say heaven or the afterlife or whatever, like I know there's different belief systems and there's different ideas about those things. And and I'm not here to convince uh, anybody of anything. I'm not here to change anybody's belief system. I'm just here to share experience, um, lived experience, my own life, but also with the people that I serve. And so I thought that was such a neat thing. Um, and also in that reading, I connected to another individual that had like just passed like two months ago. And uh, at the end of the connection with that person, she brought through, she said, please tell her that I'm aware of the chair and I'm aware of the plaque on the chair. And thank you so much for this. And so this was another uh, kind of experience for this client where they were like, Oh my God, right? Like what? Because this person was a member of the church and they recently passed away uh, and their, her chair that she sat in at church has been placed in another place so that no one can ever sit in it. And there is a plaque with her name on it. And she was like, oh my goodness, she knows about that. So, you know, I guess all this to say that doesn't matter what our belief system is. I feel like when we enter spirit, we we enter we're, we're we enter the collective. We're we're back home. We're with source. We're with God, the universe, whatever it is that you want to call that. To me, it is all the same, and we connect back to this collective consciousness where we are all one once again. And there is a kind of a disillusion. There's like um not disillusion, uh, there is like a, it dissolves, right? Like it, the, anything that our ego created in this life that is not aligned with our spiritual selves or our soul self dissolves away. And I feel like there's a higher awareness of that. So commonality is that there's no time and space that we can manifest instantly, that we're all connected energetically, uh, and that we're st we still exist. Um, people learning on the other side comes forward quite often. You know, I'm I'm going to spirit school. I'm learning about this. Healing comes through a lot. I need to own the fact that I did this or I was this way, and I need I need my loved one to know that I am healing this at a very deep soul level, so that I you know don't do that again or I don't. Um, harm another person that way there so there's healing there's learning all of that's happening on the other side I think it's just like another world is what I think I think it's here but we can't see it like I just picture it as like there's just saran wrap what's that like Stephen that Stephen King show it's based on a book I can't remember right now but it, it came out a few years ago I watched maybe like the first season of it might be off the air now but it's like where this town um, this like big glass uh, structure of sorts, this barrier kind of covers an entire town. And so they're stuck in it. I can't remember what that is, but like I kind of picture this like barrier around us in some way where like they're right here and they're like knocking on the glass like, oh my God, I'm right here. Oh my God, I'm right here. Um, and we just don't see them. I think that it's just another version of life from another perspective. I really, really, really do. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed talking about all of this and, and answering these questions. If you have another question for me or a topic that you'd like me to speak on on this podcast, please shoot me off a message. You can find me on my website, theintuitiverising.com or all social media platforms is The Intuitive Rising. Send me a message and I'll be sure to consider talking about it. I'll do another one of these Q&As in the next couple of months. I hope everybody is having a wonderful day wherever you are in the world at whatever time you're listening to this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you have enjoyed this episode, please consider hopping on over to wherever you listen to your podcast and giving it a five star review. Thank you so much in advance. If you'd like to keep in touch, please head over to my website, theintuitiverising.com to keep up with all the things that I have been doing. I also have a private Facebook community for people just like you. It's called the Intuitive Rising Community. All you got to do is request to join and I will let you in. Keep rising.